Happy Friday. I'm Quinn Emmett, and this is Important, Not Important, Science for People Who Give a Shit. Hit subscribe right now so you get this audio newsletter every Friday, plus our conversations with the smartest people in the world on Mondays. You can find the digital version and links to everything at newsletter.importantnotimportant.com or write from your show notes. It's Friday, February 25th, 2022. A brief interlude. Men have begun wars for millennia. Blood for resources. Raging insecurities nourished by a million dead, constantly challenging us with the question, can we ever change? I believe we can, and we will. Part of building a better future is imagining what it could be like. But today, millions more are fighting back. Innocent people are suffering, and Russian rebels are marching in the streets against a tyrant. So our community will do what we do best. Help. Specifically regarding the situation in Ukraine, we're supporting Doctors Without Borders, who are still running COVID-19 screening and psychological support, among others. We're supporting Direct Relief, who's supplying IV fluids, antibiotics, and a variety of other medications. And we're supporting journalism when it matters and where it matters the most today, with the Kyiv Independent. And that is all in your show notes. This week, summarized. Gas, the forever bridge fuel. Boosters, boosted. Mega drought, self-awareness. Maternal deaths on the rise. And your location data for sale. In climate change news, the price of energy independence. The geopolitics of the 19th, 20th, and early 21st centuries were a story of fossil fuels. The countries whose borders surrounded them. The countries whose didn't. The trillions exchanged on both sides of a supply and demand market of haves and have-nots, of the infrastructure to mine, drill, refine, and deliver a collection of products that built the West. And when those markets failed or greed won out, a story of the wars fought over them. In 2022 and beyond, clean energy independence is the mantra, but the transition won't be so gentle. More than a third of Europe's natural gas comes from Russia. Conversely, at least 56% of Russian exports are fossil fuels. So right off the bat, it's complicated. So it's a relatively big deal for Germany to can the Nord Stream 2 fossil gas pipeline, especially in light of high gas prices worldwide midwinter, in light of climate change, and Deutschland's closing up the nuclear shop after Fukushima. And yet Germany also appears to have carved lucrative energy payments out of yesterday's otherwise crippling Russian sanctions, the same payments that reinvigorated the Russian military and made Vladimir Putin quite possibly the wealthiest man alive. Of course, it'll take years for Europe to ditch Russian gas, and those same supplies and future minerals could go to China. But around the world, countries and economies are transitioning to renewable energy and storage in vastly different ways and just not fast enough. In China, they're building more solar than anyone and $4 billion in new coal plants. Solar and offshore wind are growing in the U.S. without much federal help still, but we're still the world's number one fossil gas exporter, and oil production is rising again. France denounced they will build up to 14 new nuclear, for everyone in the back it's pronounced nuclear, plants. And nobody loves coal more than Australia, but last week they smashed solar and wind production records. 
That's not to say countries with less sun and wind coverage should suffer in the future. We need to build vastly more powerful power lines. And I've got a lot to say about the clean energy mineral rush rewriting geopolitics all over again. But we have a unique opportunity now to disentangle ourselves from the ways of old. Here's your action step. It's not war-related, but it's something you can actually affect today. The U.S. Post Office approved a deal to build 150,000 new gas-powered trucks. And folks, that's complete bullshit. It's an air pollution nightmare. So, Earth Justice is suing. You can support their efforts at the link in your show notes or in the newsletter. In COVID news, here's your vaccine equity update. Just 12.3% of people in low-income countries have received at least one dose, and 37.4% of people worldwide have received no doses. But your boosters are boosted. With 2.9 billion people still completely unvaccinated and no virological mandate that the next variant of SARS-CoV-2 will be as mild as Omicron, we have no idea when the next wave may come or how it could present among the both the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. But it seems boosters may hold up no matter what comes our way. From the New York Times, the Omicron variant can dodge antibodies, immune molecules that prevent the virus from infecting cells, produced after two doses of a COVID vaccine. But a third shot of the mRNA vaccines made by Pfizer-BioNTech or by Moderna prompts the body to make a much wider variety of antibodies, which would be difficult for any variant of the virus to evade, according to the most recent study posted online on Tuesday. Here's how to understand it. Antibodies inevitably decline over time. But as we discovered with SARS and other viruses, T-cells can be a long-lasting backup to the more immediately reactive antibodies. And don't sleep on B-cells, which keep learning, especially when instigated by vaccines. Trust the science is an oversimplification of a complicated, unpredictable process. But over the course of the past two years, so much has changed as we all do this thing live and in person. But in the end, SARS-CoV-2 is still a coronavirus, albeit a brutally dangerous one, but still the likes of which we've faced before. In these rare lulls between variants and waves, it's vitally important we take stock of what we've learned, where we are, and how we can get ahead of what's to come. And it looks like the mRNA boosters could be the last we'll need for a long time. So your action step here is obvious, folks. You do not want long COVID. And yet only 40% of vaccinated Americans have received a booster. Get yours if you haven't, and share this newsletter with others who need one too. A reminder that public health is about you and me. In food and water news, the drought deepens. How will the West adapt? Facing the worst drought in, as now indicated, 1,200 years, the American West continues to adapt for the long term, where the water levels that fueled massive immigration and agriculture through the 20th century may never return. Here's how to understand it. As reservoir levels continue to drop, water laws from decades past are up for renegotiation and need to be completely reinterpreted for a more volatile future. Hundreds of climate bills, band-aids and overhauls alike, are floating through the California legislature. They're the first state to sell a million plug-in vehicles. California is where a Scope 3 emissions bill recently passed, where President Biden 
recently restored the state's unique legal power to regulate tailpipe emissions. It's where the Central Valley farmers are preparing to receive no water in 2022, where the nights are drier and hotter. We have to acknowledge where we are and when we are. Preparing for the immediate future requires letting go of the past and building a new way of life, one that is more sustainable for every part of nature, including ourselves. Here's your action step. Get up to speed on all of California's bills with the link in the newsletter, and then listen to the powerful conversation between any pod favorite, Dr. Baronda Montgomery, author of Lessons from Plants, and upcoming guest, Dr. Jessica Hernandez, author of the recently published Fresh Banana Leaves. In health and bio news, the omnibus can't come soon enough. The number of women in the United States who died during pregnancy or shortly after giving birth increased 14% in 2020, the first year of the pandemic. This obviously sucks for a million reasons, but most notably because the U.S. already had the highest maternal mortality rate among developed countries, and Black women continue to suffer the most. From the New York Times again, Black women in America experienced the most deaths. One-third of the pregnant women and new mothers who died in 2020 were Black, though Black Americans make up just over 13% of the population. Their mortality rate was nearly three times that of white women. Here's how to understand it. When we've been over this a number of times here, folks, while cardiovascular issues and other conditions and infections immediately and directly fuel maternal deaths in the year after giving birth, poor quality of health care at basically all times and all levels, implicit bias and structural racism throughout the healthcare system and everywhere else, and chronic health conditions are what really contribute to this crushing inequity. There are few areas where we can make more substantial, immediately meaningful gains. Giving birth and recovering from it is hard enough. I've had a front row seat to three of them. But racism shouldn't be anywhere near this. We can do better, better. Here's your action step. Support the Black Mamas Matter Alliance, where they provide technical assistance, trainings, and capacity building for grassroots organizations, maternity care service providers, academia, and the public health industry. And if you want more background, check out our conversation with Representative Lauren Underwood on this very subject. In beep-boop news, wherever you go, basically anyone can follow. Did you know it is almost entirely legal for companies in the United States to buy and sell location data harvested from your doomscroll device you're listening to this on right now? Now, I could stop there, because what the hell are we doing here if that's a thing? But let's give it some more context, because I think maybe you thought we were done here. If you're an iPhone user, you're very likely among the vast majority, 96%, who, upon upgrading to iOS 14.5, declined to let apps track you across the rest of your apps and inevitably contributed to straight crushing Facebook's business model. Great, right? But data tracking goes so much farther. Quite literally. While Apple and Google have both made strides to crack down on SDKs, or software development kits, which enable data collection, the market for selling your location history is still enormous, over $12 billion a year. From the markup, workers in the location industry told the markup that data brokers are increasingly collecting data directly from 
app developers instead of relying on SDKs, which often leave a digital footprint. And it's unclear how Apple and Google could even monitor how apps are sharing and selling data once they obtain it. Now, Europe's General Data Protection Regulation, or GDPR, or as you're most likely to encounter it every single day, the prompt to allow all cookies, carries some stiff penalties. But without U.S. federal action, the market is fragmented and will only grow. Here's your action step. Now, in doing my research, I realized that most of the location data privacy legislation just isn't there yet. But we can still make some progress on privacy in general. The new and bipartisan Kids Online Safety Act can do some good to provide parents with easy-to-use tools to keep kids safe, to limit screen time, and to protect their data. You can get up to speed with the Washington Post coverage on the act at the link in the newsletter or in your show notes, and we'll have further action soon. And finally, here's 10 things from my notebook. In our vaccine equity update, six African countries will kick off domestic production of mRNA vaccines as distribution resources remain the real holdup, and President Biden asked for far less money from Congress than needed to really help the problem. Scientists keep unraveling what's behind ALS, which really hits close to home for my family. Decarbonizing heavy industry, so cement, steel, etc., will be difficult as hell. And my friend David Roberts at Volt asked some of the experts in the industry just how we're going to do it. The U.S. throws away 2,150 pieces of clothing every goddamn second. Speaking of trash, there's new ways to consider how we could keep electric vehicle batteries out of the trash. It turns out it might be possible to grow a shit ton of rice in seawater. Stripe has begun their fourth round of carbon removal purchases, and look, whether it ever works or not is at least partly dependent on efforts like these to scale it up. A pig's heart in a human's body. Why the hell does that work anyways? Should your company join the RE100? And what the hell is the RE100? And lastly, Paul Farmer, the co-founder of Partners in Health, invented a new way of caring for one another, is what most of the headlines read this week. We've posted a must-read article about a man who meant so much to our efforts to take care of one another, to do better, better. So, Rest in peace, Paul, and I hope everyone, if you don't know of him, gets to know him now. That's the news for this week. Uh, again, hit subscribe now so you get next week's analysis straight to your feed and you don't have to read a thing with your eyeballs. Again, to go deeper on any of the news or to find your action steps, go to newsletter.importantnotimportant.com. Thanks for being a part of our community, and thanks for giving a shit. Have a safe weekend. <laughs> <laughs>